Yeah, we're doing this. Oh, is it recording so, right now? Yeah, it's recording. Okay. This is cool. <laughs> so, what is your illness? That's a good so, place to start. Um, in October 2012, so I was 12 years old at the time, um, I was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis type 2. Um, basically, it's a disease in which your immune system starts attacking your liver. Um, you know, the job of your immune system is to attack viruses and bacteria, um, but instead it targeted my liver, which caused cirrhosis and um, uh, liver damage. Nice. Okay. Um, when did you find out you had it? I mean, because I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. I honestly, like, it's kind of weird thinking on it. I, the, the timeline's kind of blurry. Yeah. Um, so looking back, as I grew up, um, you know, looking back, I definitely had signs of it. Um, but, you know, no one Yeah, knew. that's like the weirdest part. That's the, the, the like, in hindsight, there was definitely some red flags mm-hmm. that were totally overlooked. But there's no way of knowing because it's such a weird disease. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not common yeah. at all. And they're not sure what causes autoimmune hepatitis. Um, you know, there's a possibility it could have started from an infection. And I think, um, like looking back, by the time I was diagnosed, it had gone on for a long time, and my liver was severely damaged. Um, so, you know, they think it maybe all started when I was like five or six years old. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just had weird symptoms. I had some kidney issues, um, stomach pain, first on my left, then my right, which ended up being, you know, my liver and my spleen. And, you know, just weird things mm-hmm. like that. When it's, all you know, when it's all you know, it's probably tough to tell. But mm-hmm. so for us, you yeah. know, there were some things like, oh, man, like that, that was obvious that that had something to do with it. Like the blood in your urine growing up mm-hmm. and then the little scrape on your nose that mm-hmm. never went away. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything that you like thought of like that you when you were growing up, like thinking back on you're like, man, that was kind of a red flag that I should have. Mm-hmm. maybe pressed harder, but I mean, there's no way of knowing because yeah. you're so young and mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely, you know, around that time, right before I was diagnosed, stomach pain. It, and stomach pain is really hard to, like, diagnose in kids because everyone has it. It could be something you mm-hmm. ate. It could be allergies. It could be just weird stomach pains. Anyone gets stomach pain. And so, um, but mine was super, it was pretty bad mm-hmm. and it was rough and it would cause me to like have to stop what I'm doing, sit down and rest. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we were like, okay, something's wrong. Uh-huh. Um, you need to get checked out. Yeah. Um, but you know, the kidney issues, the blood in my urine, I started having like UTIs. And so that's actually what saved me. Um, I went to the gynecologist for pediatrics and, um, they did a blood test and that's how they found out my bilirubin was like sky high. Um, so that's kind of what started uh, the diagnosis. Interesting. Yeah. Did uh, so you had obviously gone to the you know doctor before for those other things, mm-hmm. but did they just get brushed over? I mean, yeah, they did. Um, they did because they're kind of weird symptoms. Um, I did get a kidney biopsy uh, when I had blood in my urine, which was around maybe seven, eight years old. And so that's when I had a That kidney. was like a reoccurring thing. Yeah. And so that's when I had um, my kidney biopsy and they overlooked, uh, they did, you know, labs, blood tests, all the tests for the kidneys and they overlooked um, my liver numbers. Yeah. And at the time, my liver numbers were super high. Um, and that's <laughs> the only way to really tell that you have the disease in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so they were specifically looking at my kidneys and nothing was wrong with them. And that's when they 
missed the liver issues. And so it kept going on. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um, so what, what, what year was this? How old were you? Um, when I was diagnosed, I was 12 years old, 2012. What was the, so obviously you went, you went in for that, uh, UTI and w- like what the doctor was like, all right, we got to test this. But mm-hmm. when do they push it to the limit where they're like, all right, let's test the liver now. I don't. So, so she came back with the results. I can't remember if they tested my urine or as an actual blood test, but they came back. She was like, your bilirubin is insanely high. And she pretty much told us right then and there, like, you need to get checked out by a hepatologist. Yeah. Um, so we made the appointment and, um, they automatically diagnosed me with autoimmune hepatitis, um, told me I'd eventually... this was in Tulsa? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. That was when they had that, the, the actual uh, center. center, yeah. Which they don't have anymore? Which they closed down. (laughs) Yeah. Why'd they close that down? Um, I think something, I'm not quite sure something went wrong, I think, with a surgery or... That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first, what was the, so you went there and then, uh... You, you got confirmed that's what you have. Yeah. But they didn't lead off with transplant first. At first, it was just steroids, right? Yes. Yeah, so really um, they put me on a lot of steroids, a big dose and I, that I had to take every day. Um, I can't remember the, the exact dose, but it was a lot. Um, and she was like, you're going to gain weight. You're probably not going to be able to sleep well. You know, all these... Um, uh, symptoms that you'll probably have from this medication and you know prednisone doesn't reverse the disease it just um, kind of prevents it from getting worse and kind of um, you know lessens the amount curbs the immune system mm-hmm. um, from getting from doing any more damage uh, to the liver so they want to see how long that lasted and it did last me quite quite a few years um, and so did so quite a few years, they never even bring up liver transplant at that point? Did we go years so, without even... So she told me right then and there, you will probably, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but you'll probably need a liver transplant at some point in your life. So but, she led with that. Yes, when she said but, you have this, she led with... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not for a while. We didn't know how long, you know, the medication was going to work. Um, so they we, knew the state of your liver at that point. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if, if, if that would have been found out when you were like two years old could it have been prevented all along um i think so yeah and your liver would have been fine but i mean i wonder how much damage was even done at that point so Mm -hmm. like you you know there's Mm -hmm. no that's the weird Mm -hmm. thing about it is that there's no way of knowing until you see the signs of your liver going yeah which is i don't know it's kind of strange it is it is yeah but um put on steroids a lot of medication um and they kind of just want to see how far that took me did we look did did we start looking into the a liver transplant right away or we kind of put it off? No, we definitely put it off. Um, I didn't start, you know, they didn't list me. So they didn't list me for quite some time. They didn't list me until about like 2015. Why? What's the, what, what's, why not? Um, so you have three, um, liver numbers that, um, you know, reflect how sick you are. And mine was 13 at the time I was listed. So this wasn't until 2015. So they can determine the score before you're actually listed? So they can determine the score by your liver numbers. And there's three that go into it. I don't know the exact ones. I need to Mm -hmm. look into that. 
um, but which is your MELD score for me. It was my PELD score because I was pediatric, uh, but mine was super low, you know, and they, they had hopes that the medication would maybe kind of curb the immune system. Again, they wanted to see how long that would last, um, but I wasn't listed on the um, liver transplant list in Oklahoma till I was 15, so mm-hmm. three years later. Were you... Uh- did you reach out or talk to, ever get to talk to anyone else who has autoimmune hepatitis? Have you no. ever really talked to anyone in person who has it? No, it's very rare, and mine is type two, which happens. So I didn't even know there was types until I yes, was looking at it. Yes, there's type one and type two. Um, type two is even rarer, and it's in usually younger girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like it's like it's like four to one, like guys versus mm-hmm, females, mm-hmm, and then specifically mm-hmm. young females. Yeah. yeah, specifically females, and it's I've never, I mean, now looking, uh, now I've gotten some people reach out to me who have been diagnosed with it, but they're usually older, older women, um, not a lot of men. So uh, why so why does it develop later? For some people, and then right away for others. I mean, is it is is it whether it's triggered through like your genetics or some other factor? Because I always thought it was purely genetics. But is there other triggers for other types? I'm not sure of that, but mine, I think, was definitely a rare case. I think, I mean, I don't really have an answer to that. But, um, yeah, again, I did have that weird scab on my nose. I think, especially my mom, who's looking back at that, it never went away. Mm -hmm. It um, it took a long time to go away. It was a weird little, I hit my nose once and it took, months no i remember to heal that. over uh it, it's yeah no it is very weird how now it feels like oh wow like mm-hmm. there was definitely something wrong with her oh yeah um but at the time you just don't you don't think twice you, you don't because you also that. you also had, had had a habit of sucking on your thumb mm-hmm. and there was just an you we were able to we were able to explain away pretty much everything mm-hmm. like uh the scab on your nose that would not go away which doesn't necessarily mean it was tied to yeah. your disease but we it seems like it was because think it long was. story short Sydney it, had this this uh, scab on her nose that would never go away. And she was a thumb sucker. You had a blanket too, didn't mm-hmm. you? So we always thought she was just picking at it, but it yeah. just straight up was a scab on your nose that would never heal. Never heal. It was a couple and... years that you had it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a huge red flag. Yeah. That and it's crazy. Yeah. And I, we don't know this for sure, but uh, my mom is almost 100% sure that's may, that may have been the affection that kind of caused all this. But, you know, you never know. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> you know. Man, that is so weird. And then, of course, the blood in your urine. Was it re- how, like, how it obviously didn't happen every time you did it, which Mm-mm. is also strange. Was, I wonder why sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it, it was on and off. And, um, yeah, I remember the first time it happened, I was like, Mom, what is this? Because I was like, How old were you? Like five or six. So yeah. it was, um, very early on. And, uh, so, you know, that's when I got that kidney biopsy. Nothing came back. I mean, my kidneys were fine, but the test they did, did show my liver numbers were out of whack and they just didn't catch it because they weren't looking at that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And then it was, so the first time, the first real indication that something was wrong was blood urine at five years old. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know you actually had it for sure until mm-hmm. you were what? How old? Uh, autoimmune hepatitis? Yeah. Like, well, oh, not until I was 12. 12? 12. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah seven, so all that went on. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the main thing that made us, again, think something was uh, strangely wrong was, you know, crazy stomach pain um, and then uh, UTIs, which... Yeah. I actually was looking on <laughs> Facebook and I found a, uh, I guess we can just call it AIH. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. There's like some sort of group on Facebook. Okay. It's funny how small it is. It's like 400 people. Yeah. No, which is, people uh, have this. Yeah. You scroll through like hepatitis C, which of course it makes sense because it affects way more people. Yeah. And the Wikipedia page is like miles we, long. And then yeah. you go to autoimmune hepatitis and it's like Very a sentence. Small. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of concerning. Yeah. And then you go to the, the references, which of, of course this is all Wikipedia and I'll be edited. But uh, yeah. And even the most recent reference f- for the disease was from like 2017. There's like, mm-hmm. couldn't find any recent research mm-hmm. or anything. So yeah, it's like, no, it I mean, really of course you're crazy. upset that you couldn't, not a lot that, uh, you know, maybe it could have been found out sooner, but there's just, it's just so random. You just don't know. It is. It is. It's hard to catch. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah. What else you got there? Um, yeah. So after I was diagnosed, I was put on all that medication, um, told I'd gain weight and granted I was 12 year old girl. I didn't want that to happen, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so life went on. I took my medication like I was supposed to, um, and my mom was very concerned, you know, the, uh, this medication ca- can cause like crazy, um, insomnia, like not being able to sleep, you know, gain weight, um, crazy hunger, all yeah. that. And as far as I can tell, it really didn't affect me. Like I, I maybe was a little bit more hungry than I was you know, than usual, but, um, I was, I mean, it, it didn't yeah. affect me much at all. I mean, the, yeah, the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, Tommy, I wonder, I wonder you, if any of that, so, you know, uh, for those who don't know, Sydney's, Sydney's pretty healthy individual. She didn't start as that as a young age. She was all about yeah. the junk food. I think we all were, oh, yeah. we were raised, we'd mm-hmm. go to Sonic after school every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Cindy found out she was going to be on this medication, she mm-hmm. took a lot of lifestyle uh, oh, yeah, changes. I did. Yeah. So she got into fitness, got into CrossFit. Got in Tommy and my dad um, had already been doing CrossFit for yeah. how long? Oh, Maybe a couple like, years. A couple years. Um, so yeah, I was like, heck, I'm just going to start that. And yeah. they got and me And we were like on it. a little bit of a paleo kick at the time. Mm-hmm. So you just changed your diet. So mm-hmm. I wonder how much your lifestyle changes offset the potential, uh, you know, the way the medication would make oh, you Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Whereas if you were um, living unhealthily, you took it. I wonder how much it would compound mm-hmm. it, but you know, mm-hmm. who knows? I think it would have made it much worse and progress a lot faster. Yeah. I think that's a huge reason why, um, you know, I was able to last that long until getting my transplant. It's just because I stayed healthy. I worked out, I ate healthy, um, got a good amount of sleep, you know, and I think um, that's a huge reason why it kind of took so long to get the liver transplant and... Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're on, so the timeline of knowing you have it and not being put on the transplant list, what led us to increasingly like look into it more and more? I remember there was a Dr. Sebastian. Mm-hmm. So, I remember he being involved in us mm-hmm. being finally like, all right, it's time to do it. Yeah. But what, what were the kind of steps that you're going back and forth a lot? Mm-hmm. I remember the center closing down was kind of weird. I don't know. It, it cre- yeah. created conflict or not conflict, but it created issues. Yeah. Uh, communication so go on yeah so around 2015 um i went to uh my next checkup appointment they did all the checkups and everything like that and he said okay it's time to list list you on the oklahoma liver transplant list so they listed me granted my meld score was 13 you get you get a liver you get the call around 30 yeah when your number's around 30 maybe Mm -hmm. 40 like literally way up there mine was super low um so, you know, they uh, listed me, 
they were like, you're, it's going to be a while, you know, you're not going to get a liver like tomorrow. It's going to be a while. And, um, so life went on, you know, I kept working out, kept eating healthy, did all I needed to do. Um, and it progressively got worse. I remember, um, after competing in the games in 2016, it was this is the the CrossFit Games. So people CrossFit so Games. So you ended up leaning into the CrossFit so hard that she got so good that she got to go uh, compete. So cro- the way the CrossFit works is there's like one uh, big competition every year, and uh, it's kind of like the Super Bowl of CrossFit. And there's there's a teen division that they added. Sydney, uh, after finding out she had this disease, uh, decided to make a lot of lifestyle changes to the point mm-hmm. where you know she got really good at CrossFit. So she got into it and went to the yeah. games. And it was also sort of uh, I feel like CrossFit was almost like a gauge of how you were feeling, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, oh, I've, yeah. I've even noticed um, that like, so with CrossFit, when we work out every day, you know, you know, like if you ate bad the night before, you can feel it you can feel like it, the yeah. next day. Uh-huh. And uh, it's almost like a good benchmark. Like mm-hmm. you can kind of like sit there and be like, oh, I felt worse or better today. If, you know, mm-hmm. is the disease like getting worse? Oh, yeah. You know, whereas mm-hmm. I feel like if you're someone who lives more of a sedentary lifestyle, you probably wouldn't feel that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that's a huge reason why, you know, again, why I was able to stay so healthy and going into surgery. But yeah, so I competed in 2015, um, got through it. I actually won, but um, nice. life went on. I was like, okay, got to start training for 2016 CrossFit Games. Um, my disease slowly started to progress. I remember training for the games and just losing a lot of muscle mass. I was losing weight. I couldn't eat a ton. Turns out that was my spleen just getting so backed up with um, blood and all that, that it was the size of a football. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was squishing my stomach. Um, so I wasn't able to eat a lot. I was still super competitive, working out like once, twice a day, um, training for the 2016 games. And, you know, I could tell a huge difference. Um, super fatigued, weak all the time. Um, so that's when we knew it was getting closer. Um, so I actually competed in the games. I was able to get through it. I got sixth place there. Um, when I came home, I had my next appointment with Dr. Sebastian and he out of the blue recommended living donor, uh, liver transplant. And so he was like, you know, we don't do it in Oklahoma. Um, you know, a few months later, the Oklahoma transplant center actually shut down. So he recommended a couple places. That was, I remember that being a weird time. Yeah, it was really weird. We just and got then, a letter then, in the mail. <laughs> letter? <laughs> yeah. He didn't talk to you at all? No. Yeah. He told us, um, the nurse actually told us um, when we got there, and we were like, nope, we need to see him. Like, we need to hear this from him. Um, so, yeah, we, we for those who are listening, we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Oklahoma City is about an hour and a half away. So mm-hmm. going back and forth to those regular yeah. points is probably a little bit of a hassle. Yeah. And just, so, you know, you want to be close to your doctor, you mm-hmm, know, and mm-hmm. that's, yeah, mm-hmm. go on. So he recommended a couple places. Um, liver transplant in and of itself, it's really hard to find a place that will accept you and do the surgery. But living uh, liver donation is even more difficult. Um, it's very rare. It's fairly new. Um, so finding a place was was a struggle. And he recommended a couple places. We went there. I did the full evaluation. Um, and, you know, those those two centers actually um, didn't accept me, which was hard. They, yeah. So, um, so, so doctor, the liver transplant center in Oklahoma City shuts down. Do they, mm-hmm. they, they, they give us any direction of where to go next? So he did, he did recommend, recommend two places, um, Baylor and then a place in Pittsburgh. Um, so we took, took him up on those 
recs and went to those places again did the full evaluation um now during this time we're also thinking about who's going to be the donor um my sister meredith was all over it at first she was like i want to do it you know we're super close um so she was like i want to do it i want to be your donor just because she's my sister we're super close she would do anything for me um and so i would do the evaluation then she would she her anatomy was actually wouldn't work out for the surgery. It would be yeah. way too um, difficult to do it. So she was kind of shut down. Um, my mom was uh, did the evalu- evaluation. Her liver was too small. Um, mom did the evaluation? She the did. entire thing? She did. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. It's like three days. I feel like, um, I'm, repra- I feel like scans, I'm repressing tests. all these memories. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last two years we haven't had to like, it hasn't been a concern. So mm-hmm. I'm just like blocking it out of my mind. Because yeah. it was like such a stressful yeah. few years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a little bit blurry. Um, but yeah, those two places I wasn't accepted. Um, kind of crazy because their reasons were pretty strange. Mm-hmm. Um, the reasons were... Did any of it have to... Did uh, any of the reasons have to do with your illness, it, it being AIH to begin with? Cause, no. Because uh, I think what's weird is that your... So your disease is one where your body's already attacking your liver. Mm -hmm. And if it's like, you know, let's say you're an alcoholic or something and, you know, it's something that you can just stop and you won't have that to your liver. I I was surprised that it it wasn't factored in that, oh, we're going to give this liver, but our body's going to instantly start attacking it, that it would somehow, Mm -hmm. like, not make you a priority because you're already, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, and that's the beauty of the anti-rejection meds after they, you know, do the transplant, but... That's what's going to kind of suppress the immune system. But, um, yeah, so there are reasons. I'm not going to give specifics but because um, they are great hospitals. But, um, you know, one of them said I needed to have cancer to be jaundiced to get this liver. And being living donor, the beauty of it, or in my opinion, is that you go into it a little bit healthier. And you kind of have to go into it healthier because it's living donor. And... Um, rather than getting it from a deceased donor. Mm-hmm. And so it is more risky. You have to be a little bit healthier going into it because it's a huge surgery. And um, so, yeah, their reasons were different. Um, but I am grateful it worked out um, because of where we ended up today. Mm-hmm. But so life went on. You know, I was pretty down the dumps. I didn't want to go get checked out by anyone else because I was kind of done with it. I was like, nope, I just want to wait till I get sicker. My melt score is way higher. Yeah. Just wait, wait then. Um but my mom kept searching for places and actually out of blue, a stranger who is now our friend um, recommended Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And so um, my mom immediately made the appointment for me. I got uh, checked out, like three-day evaluation. It was smooth sailing. I was accepted. They're like, okay, we want to do this. Um, now we just have to find a donor. Mm-hmm. And so um, Tommy stepped in. <laughs> yeah. I remember you flew in like the next day or something because they wanted to test you yeah, right then. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's quite the story that is definitely worth an episode in itself. Yeah, um, But yeah, no, it, it was quite the whirlwind. Everything happened super fast at that point. It was weird how it was like uh, sort of like this weird like creeping thing and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was like boom, we're yeah. in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think made it better. If I, mm-hmm. if I, if I, so, you know, the time between me, this, so we'll get into this at some point, but, mm-hmm. uh, the time between me knowing that I was potentially going to be a live donor to actually giving the donation was mm-hmm. like, what? Oh, it was a month or couple, two. Yeah. A month. Like, yeah. Which is, which is insane. Month. I mean, yeah. it was always in the back of her head that I was mm-hmm. an option, but, uh, yeah, which is crazy to me. 
for how long, you know, all the time in between took. It was zero, yeah. 100. Yeah. And they, um, the whole point of it, or a living donor, a huge, they want it to be someone in the family. Mm-hmm. And so just because, you know, studies have shown that the liver won't reject, mm-hmm. as there's there's a less chance of it rejecting. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like one of the first liver transplants a, with twins. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, uh, well, we could, the whole episode could be about the melt score too, oh, yeah, but it's so sure. weird how, how you, you have to be in a sweet spot. Like you have mm-hmm. to be you a little do. sick, but you can't be too sick. Mm-hmm. I think now they, uh, they definitely take people who are like really, really sick, mm-hmm. but it, it's like such a weird catch 22 that you're in a spot where you weren't sick enough to get one, but you could have gone from your spot there to being, you know, almost a not too sick to get one, mm-hmm. you know, which yeah. is like weird. So it's like yeah. you have to hit this like perfect mm-hmm. spot and it's just, mm-hmm. it makes sense. I mean, if you look at how the belt score is scored, it, it makes sense, but it's, it seems really uh, mm-hmm. ass backwards. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, from the beginning they said quality of life, quality of life. Like we want you to have good quality of life. And so, you which know, I was, played in the whole, so, so w- yeah, touch on the quality of life thing. Where, yeah. Where did that so come when from? I was first and, diagnosed, um, one of the guy in the, the transplant clinic sit me down. I who was, was that? Uh, Neil. I don't know his last name. Was it was it part of uh, Sebastian? Yeah. Uh, so this is an part Oklahoma, of the Oklahoma City. Uh, what was the actual name of it? Transplant program. Um, Oklahoma. OU. Was it through OU? Yeah. Okay. It was through OU. Um, but he sat me down. I was like, "We want you to have a good quality of life," and you know, gave me all these ways to help that. And so I did my part. You know, keeping my body healthy, taking my medication. Um, social aspect, hanging out with friends, doing all that. Um, and they talk about that. And, you know, in the end, I did not have a good quality of life. I think some people could look at it like I did. You know, I was competing in the games. I was working out multiple times a day. I was, but, you know, I wasn't going to let go of that. I mean, that was the only thing that I knew. And that's the thing I loved. And I wasn't going to um, quit doing that. I was going to keep my body healthy, doing what I loved, you know. Um, you know, me looking at it, that is a good quality of life for me. Uh, but in the end, you know, I didn't. I wasn't able to do what I loved. And, um, you know, like I like I should be, or like I should be able to. And um, it kind of just went downhill from there. Um, so did you define what he meant? Did you define what he meant by quality of life? You probably yeah, said. so quality of life, just, um, you know, social aspect, hanging out with friends, mm-hmm. you know, like any other 12-year-old girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but there's you know. also an aspect of, of limiting your stress and mm-hmm. uh, making you flexible mm-hmm. for just life. So mm-hmm. you had to switch from Kelly, Bishop Kelly, mm-hmm. high school in town, to doing online schooling, essentially, mm-hmm. just to yeah. make yourself more flexible. Yeah. And I think it brought your stress down. Because if you would have been having to do oh, schoolwork, yes. I don't know. That would have been too much. Yeah. So and just, um, The less, the less dispersion of stress. of stress you can do at that point is probably the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was a lifesaver for me doing high school online um, and just being able to go at my own pace and not stressing too much about work and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, super helpful, yeah. So you were on the, uh, so you got put on the deceased donor list. Mm-hmm. You were on that list. How long were you on that list? I was on that list for a few years. A few years? But we knew, we knew, years, we kind of knew it would never really hit because you no. were always in that. And it's almost like... <laughs> It's a weird thought, but uh, so if you, did your score ever is slowly increase while you were uh, on the list? Did you ever yeah. get it reevaluated throughout so the years? So it's funny of being on? because 
you know, all I remember is my score is 13. I think it did go up to 15 or 16, which still isn't super high. Um, but once we kind of switch from, you know, getting a liver from a deceased donor and then living uh, donor, you know, they don't they don't go by that yeah. um, necessarily. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of the switch to where, you know, all we're looking for now is a place that can do it in a donor. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, somewhere that will accept me. Um, so yeah, I think it went up a couple notches, but other than that, it was super low. Yeah. And, um, the reason, so would you think the being on the steroids prevented it from going higher because your body wasn't actively like making it worse? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it did because it does like curb the immune system and like lessen inflammation. But, um, I like to say it was kind of a slow progression up until, you know, around, um, 14, 15, and then from then on, it was super fast, and I could tell a huge difference, um, you know, from before and then, like, right before surgery, a couple years before. Um, So it kind of just, it did slow the progression, I think, but it it comes to a point where, you know, when I was diagnosed, they said my liver looked like a 40-year-old alcoholic's liver, you know, super scarred. We have a picture right here, yeah, pretty gnarly. Yeah, Um, so I, you know, it was coming up close, surgery was. Nice. So, and then, and then what was the day you got put where we were like, all right, what was the first like active step we did towards the live donor? Live donor. The day they shut down, mm-hmm. them shutting down was. Did they shut down. We went to Baylor. Went to, I went to well, Baylor. So they, they shut down. Was the shutting down and the liver live donor suggestion, was that what? Around the same time. Around the same yeah. time. Was he, it because of it? Was it cause it? Did it cause it? Um, I, you know, I can't answer that for sure, but I think so. I think he kind of knew in the back of his head this is happening. You know, mm-hmm. I need to you know, figure something out, um, which I'm so grateful he did. But um, I think my last appointment was them telling me, you know, this isn't going to be here anymore. Um, but the recommendations were like the appointment before. So, um, you know, he recommended two places. We went there. I did the full evaluation. Um, wasn't accepted, so... We didn't bother with, you know, a donor being mm-hmm. evaluated because that comes next. So um, we looked we we into Baylor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. then went to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately landed on Wisconsin. Yeah. So three locations. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't talk about this, but in Pennsylvania, they... I didn't go on that one. I went to the Baylor one. I did not go to Yeah, you didn't though. go to that one. But they did list me on their deceased list, which again, it's... it's so how does... Yeah, okay. It's really no different than Oklahoma because it goes by score again. It goes by meld score, and mine was super low. So we kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. It's different state to state. Yeah. Um, but they did recommend the domino. Right. Is, it, is it state to state or is it region? Isn't, there, isn't it region? No, it's state to state. State to state. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they recommended in Pittsburgh their domino um, surgery, which is, it's kind of, we can talk about that. Oh some other yeah. Time, also, yeah. The, that's like, a whole three way trade, three way trade. <laughs> yeah. They can do it with kidneys too, but it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so nothing really happened there. And then, you know, we went on the search went on and that's when we found Madison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Landing on Madison. Yeah. Well, next time we'll just have to talk about that experience oh, and how yeah, we actually sure. landed on who was for sure do and it's how- pretty crazy because that's where the uh crossfit games ended up so <laughs> same year about <laughs> yeah, the same time exact same time yeah it's pretty well, crazy how things work out 
Well, all right. Yeah, uh, shout out to all the other people with uh, AIH, right? AIH, yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs>